Welcome to Food for Thought, the go-to podcast for nourishing your brain on everything to do with leadership, management, and performance improvement. It's specifically designed for busy leaders and managers who want bite-sized nuggets of inspiration and insight that can be applied right away. My name is David Claassen, and I'm the Director of Talent for Performance and a practitioner in brain and behaviour change. In a world of ever-increasing complexity, it's becoming very difficult to maintain high standards and to control mistakes. Especially the silly ones that seem to be repeated, even by competent people. There's a surprisingly simple answer to this fundamental problem that many businesses suffer from. But very few people want to implement it, because it offends their ego. On the 30th of October 1935, a test flight of the new Boeing Model 299, nicknamed the Flying Fortress, took off in front of an elite group of executives and military top brass to show off its superiority over the competition. To all present, it was given that the new aircraft would easily trounce the other designs on offer. As it took off and soared into the clear blue sky over Dayton, Ohio, it stalled, turned on one wing, and fell out of the sky into a fiery explosion. The investigation revealed that there was no mechanical failure. It was due to pilot error. A local newspaper said the aircraft was too much airplane for one man to fly. This incident lost Boeing the contract and they almost went bankrupt. However, a small group of test pilots were convinced that it was flyable and would give the US air superiority in any conflict. Instead of implementing more training, which until then had been the answer to improving safety, they set about developing an ingeniously simple approach. A pilot's checklist. Early planes may have required nerves of steel, but they were not very complicated. Giving a pilot a checklist for takeoff would have been similar to asking a driver to use one for backing out of a garage. Things, however, had rapidly changed, and the new plane was too complicated to be left to the memory of one person, no matter how well-trained they were. In his excellent book, The Checklist Manifesto, the expert surgeon and author, Atul Gawande, tells the story of how the humble checklist has been used to save thousands of lives in critical surgery around the world. In one impeccably researched test at St. Mary's Hospital London and others in Jordan, Tanzania, Canada and New Zealand, he recorded a one-third reduction of deaths and complications by using a 90-second checklist. It was achieved at virtually no cost for almost any operation. This checklist is now being adopted throughout the NHS and around the world. However, it was a challenging task to implement the checklist because there was a massive resistance. How could you create a checklist to deal with the extreme complexity of surgery? In one recent study of 41,000 trauma patients found that they had 1,224 different injury-related diagnoses. In 32,261 unique combinations. Atul and his team of researchers 
also have to break through the egos of doctors and surgeons. Checklists are for nurses, they said. We're specialists and experts, so we don't need them. One courageous surgeon, named Peter Pronovost, decided to give the principle of the checklist a try and developed a simple version for his doctors to avoid infections in intensive care. It seemed silly to make a five-point checklist for items that all doctors knew about and had been taught for years, but initial observations identified that they skipped one of the five steps in at least a third of patients. They took a revolutionary step. They authorised the nurses to stop doctors if they saw them miss a step on the checklist and if a doctor ignored them, there would be personal consequences for the doctor. The results were so dramatic that at first, Pronovost and his team didn't believe them. The 10-day infection rate went from 11% to zero. In a 15-month follow-up study, they calculated that the checklist had prevented 43 infections and 8 deaths and saved over $2 million in costs. Even with these powerful statistics, many doctors were reluctant and cried, ah, forget the paperwork, take care of the patient. It just goes to prove that it takes strong leadership to implement behavioural change or to make the new behaviour rewarding. In one field test, 80% of doctors used the checklist and confirmed it helped, but 20% remained sceptical. However, when those 20% were asked, if you were having an operation, would you want a checklist to be used? 93% of them said yes. In another checklist experiment, Atul observed that one surgical team had added an interesting item to their checklist. In large hospitals, it's not unusual for a team to come together for the first time for a particular operation. So, every person in the theatre had to introduce themselves and their role. While this may seem very simple, it added to the considerable academic evidence that people who know each other's names work better together. It is called the activation phenomenon. When people get a chance to speak early on, it seems they're more likely to actively participate and take responsibility. It also means that they're more willing to speak up and contribute. After three months, the number of team members reporting that they functioned as a well-coordinated team, leapt from 68% to 92%. The now famous ditching of an Airbus 320 by Captain Sully and his team when they landed in the Hudson River when both engines failed, attributed the phenomenal teamwork of the crew to a similar protocol. Consider the implications for getting more from your team. What are you going to do to activate them, especially early on with new projects? All the best restaurants maintain consistency with numerous checklists that are finely honed to ensure that all the final dishes are meeting the required standard. The last check is usually the head or sous chef observing, smelling or tasting the dish as it crosses the hot plate to the waiters. However, chefs don't call them checklists. They refer to them as recipes. Back in the 1980s, when I was working as a chef in Michelin-starred restaurants, my recipes were a shorthand of ingredients, techniques and timings. It's interesting to note that I didn't need a step-by-step -step list of each part of the process like domestic cookbooks, only the critical items and the steps that made a difference. This shorthand would be meaningless to others who lacked similar experience and skill. 
So with complex menus changing monthly, I developed a master checklist of key processes and components and critical ingredients, all carefully written out by hand on a sheet of a single sheet of A4 paper. Then I made photocopies, because this was back in the 80s, each day of the month. This meant that I never had to write a daily to-do list. I just needed to cross off all the things that had already been done, leaving the to-do items evident on the sheet of paper. I always left a small blank section on the sheets so I could write notes for the handover to the other chef who was doing the other shift as required. I remember that the chefs on other sections would let their egos get the better of them by scoffing at my neat lists on a clipboard. They used to call me a clipboard chef rather than a chef. But they were always fussing over scraps of paper and numerous to-do lists, often forgetting to make an order on time that was only remembered in the last moment and often getting sort of into trouble with the sous chef for not ordering things properly or not organising themselves properly. So this process was a big investment at the beginning of every new menu. But once it was done, it saved me loads of time and more importantly, gave me thinking space to focus on training more junior staff. So the development of checklists is a fine art that needs to be implemented with consideration not to overburden people, but to help them focus on the little but critical things that cause inconsistency or persistent problems. A good place to start is at the regular and repetitive mistakes or errors and then get people involved to review the process and come up with a list of critical factors or steps. In your business, the job holders, the people doing the job, are the best people to develop and hone the checklists that they will use. But they may need some help from you as a manager to get them started. So as you think about any of those mistakes that bother you, those little mistakes that seem to be so obvious but yet continuously get repeated, consider developing checklists and helping your people to overcome their ego and be smart and help themselves to be even more organised. Because when it comes to avoiding silly mistakes, stay curious. Thank you for listening to this episode of Food for Thought. Remember to subscribe and please share the podcast with people you know who have an appetite for inspiration and insight. You can contact me via the email in the show notes and you can visit our website at www.talentforperformance.co.uk for the latest thinking on creating clarity, inspiring people and driving performance.